0: Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today.
1: Father, we thank you for this holy moment, for this holy moment in your presence. There is none truly like you. There is nothing beside you. And God, the greatest cry of our hearts is that we would be empty so that we would be full of you. God in this holy moment would you empty us out, would we empty ourselves out before you so that there is nothing nothing but you Father we thank you for your precious Holy Spirit for your oil your oil of healing, the oil of joy and gladness thank you Father thank you for your precious Son your son who was crucified and raised to life so that we could have eternal life with you, so that we could know you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, Lord, that we get to spend eternity in your presence and that this is just a taste, just a taste, Lord, of what you have for us. You're so good, Lord. Father, would you speak, would you speak to us tonight, to every individual? Speak through your words, speak through your spirit. God, we don't need the words of a human. We need spirit-taught words, spirit-taught realities. And so, God, the cry of my heart tonight is that we would hear your word and your spirit speak. Speak in spirit and in truth. And Lord, we thank you. We are forever grateful for the privilege of sitting with you, of sitting at the feet of Jesus and the privilege of coming boldly into your throne of grace, your throne room of grace. God, thank you for the incredible privilege that the veil has been torn God and we come before you tonight we humble ourselves before you and we thank you that you are so desiring of our hearts that you want to speak to us so open our eyes and ears Lord Jesus open our eyes and ears
0: thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord
1: Amen. I could just stay there all night, but God's, God said to me, I have to speak a word. So, <laughs> Thank you so much, worship team. Thank you. Thank you. It is such a blessing to just linger in his presence, hey? Whew. Thank you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. How are we doing, cool. Church? Ooh. I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. Who's ready for the meat of the word? Who's ready for a spiritual barbecue? Yeah. Come on, bring it on. Yeah. Sorry if there's any vegans in the house. Yeah. Come on. Are we ready for the meat of the word? The Lord has given me a word tonight, and it is definitely meaty. Yeah. It is definitely weighty. It's how we like it. Right? Yeah. Thank you for being hungry, church. Yeah. I'm glad you've come to church hungry. Yeah. Hungry. Yeah. Need we need to be hungry, hey. We can feed ourselves on so much other stuff and come to church full. Full, hey. Full of other stuff, and so we're not hungry for the word. I didn't mean literal food, I meant other stuff Other stuff, thank you Father Here we go Here we go Just before I get into that As I was in worship, I know I mentioned a little bit But God actually gave me a picture And I really know that the word tonight is about honing and sharpening But God actually gave me a picture and in the worship I saw this massive, it was a metal wheel, I don't know what kind of metal it was and there was a sword being sharpened on it and at first, and I could tell it was God sharpening the sword, at first there were sparks flying because this sword was being sharpened metal on metal and then I saw God pouring oil out over it and so this sword was being honed really specifically and sharply but because the oil was on it the friction had been removed and I feel like that's a word for us tonight that as the Lord sharpens us this is where we need the oil of the Holy Spirit because we don't want friction When the Lord's wanting to sharpen things in our lives, we want the oil of the Holy Spirit so that there's an ease and a grace as the Lord seeks to sharpen us. So I'm going to speak tonight on spiritual discernment, spiritual discernment. And I'm going to jump straight into it. We're going to get into a lot of scripture In fact, I've opened up the wrong notes, so just hang on. I need some spiritual discernment. Stop it. Let's try this again. I've got my eyes on you. It's all about spiritual discernment. (laughs) Don't worry, I won't spit on you, though. That was a last night joke for those of you who weren't here. (laughs) Callum, you are a brave man. Now I noticed there's no one in that seat, so this is this is. If you weren't here last night, this is the spit chair. The splash zone. I don't spit as much as Steve. All right, let's focus, Sally. Spiritual discernment. There's more to discernment in the spirit than simply the function of a gift. A lot of you when I hear when you hear the word discernment, you might think the gift of discernment, because we don't hear discernment talked about a lot in the church or even specifically in scripture. Now, I might mention a few things on the gift of discernment, but we are talking spiritual discernment in the much broader sense. And as it applies to every one of you, as it applies to us corporately, and as it applies to the church so this is about leaning in and listening if we're talking about spiritual discernment we can't listen in the natural if you listen in the natural you might miss the spiritual because discernment is a spiritual thing not a natural thing you see when we talk about things like discernment we have to understand order spiritual comes before natural okay God is spirit God existed before the creation of time. He has existed before anything. He always was, always has been, and always will be. He is outside of time. God is a supernatural God. He is spirit. So spirit always comes first. So when we look at something like spiritual discernment, we must look at it and lean in from a spirit lens, not from a natural perspective. So with God first we have to also understand that everything in the spirit originates from God. And there was also good before there was evil. Didn't exist at the same time. Order is important. Because also when I say the word discernment, some of you straight away think about discerning evil spirits. But we're going to go much deeper than that. And much broader than that. So, let's open up the word and look at what is discernment. So, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Who's got their Bibles? Yeah. Who's got their phones with a Bible on it? Who's watching the screens to see the Bible? Yeah. Make sure you go home and check that it actually says that. Hebrews 5 verse 14 says this, but solid food, this is your meat, this is your barbecue, solid food is for the mature. Are there any mature believers here tonight? Uh, There's about five of you. Okay, good. I'll preach to the rest of you. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, that word distinguish there, I'm reading from the NIV, depending on which version you are reading from or you have in front of you. Um, The original King James Version does say discern, and it's the same word that is used for the gift of discernment. Now, when we say discern, I'm going to jump a little bit into teacher mode here. Is that okay? Is that okay, Cassie? Can I be teacher mode? We'll do some teacher mode, some other mode. I don't know what other modes I'll do, but we'll do teacher mode just for a moment. Um, Because it's important to actually understand what the word means. If I say the word discern and ask you what it meant, I might get 50 different definitions. And so the word distinguish or discern comes from the word diacrisis. It's not very helpful at the moment because that actually just means to distinguish and discern. So, we have to get to the root word of it, which is diacrino. And this actually means to separate thoroughly. That is to literally and reflexively make a distinction to determine something as different from the other to give judgment or separation. So, discernment is separation between two different things. So if we go back to that scripture again where it says solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil, it's about the separation of good from evil. So discern, to discern spiritually is to understand that separation of good and evil. And this is something we actually see all throughout the Bible. Genesis 1 verse 4 says God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. Now in Scripture there's a clear separation all the way through Scripture of what is good and what is evil. You won't see the word discern much at all. The actual word discern, if you're reading your NIV or a similar version, you won't actually see the word discern. What you will see though, and if you know your word at all, right from the Old Testament all all the way through to the New, is the Word of God separating between what is good and evil. It separates between what is clean and what is unclean, between what is holy and what is unholy, between the righteous and the wicked, between what is pure and impure. If you read Proverbs, it separates the wise and the foolish. The scripture is actually full of separation and it's all about discernment. In fact, when you look in Proverbs, the word understand in Proverbs means exactly the same thing. It means to mentally separate or distinguish every time you see the word understand, same thing. So discernment and spiritual discernment is all the way through the word if we're looking for it. Here's the thing, the enemy, since the garden, has been seeking to blur the line of distinction between what is good and what is evil. He's still doing the same thing today. You can probably list some ways that are obvious that he's trying to blur the line between what is good and what is evil. And the enemy not only tries to blur the line, but he tries to tell us that things that are evil are good and vice versa. And we see that all the time. We see him wanting to blur the line in what is a marriage definition that God originally created between a man and a woman. We see him trying to blur the line between genders when God just created male and female, no more. So all through since the beginning of time, there has been a distinction and a separation. And so spiritual discernment at its core for us is understanding that God is a God of holiness and that he desires us to understand through his word and his spirit that there is a separation of what is right and wrong. Anytime anytime people say a statement such as this, oh, the line's getting really blurred between good and evil or right and wrong, that's a lie of the enemy. It's a lie of the enemy. It's a blatant lie. But the thing is, as a church, we are called to be holy. We are called to be ones who are in the world, but not of the world. We're called to be separated unto God. And so this is how discernment starts to work, not only in what we see in the world, but in our personal lives. So I want to look at... I want to look at the difference between spiritual discernment and natural observation. Because what we see around us, how we take in the world around us, is done around 80% by our natural eyes. We take in most of our information, we take in most of our learning and understanding from what we naturally see. And yet spiritual discernment is very different from natural observation. So let's open the scripture to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse, I don't think I put my bookmark in. 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to start reading at verse 9. How are we doing, church? You're all very quiet. That's it engage there's nothing wrong (laughs) in fact we were sitting over brunch today and I started talking about stuff and I and and pastor Stephen was like don't look at me when you say that (laughs) so I'm very conscious of not looking at him while I'm speaking about discernment and the difference between right and wrong not eyeballing anybody first Samuel chapter one verse nine to 17 now just a bit of context for the story in case you don't know it Um, This is a story about a man named Elkanah and his wife Hannah. And Hannah had been unable to have children. And every year, as was their custom, they would go to Shiloh, that's where the house of the Lord was, um, to pray and to offer sacrifices. And Hannah was actually very distraught, understandably, that she couldn't have children. She'd been asking the Lord for years, and it was actually the Lord who closed her womb. That's another whole story and sermon in and of itself. So we're going to pick it up here. In verse 9, and the priest of this time is Eli. Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now, Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. I want to focus on two key statements in these verses. Verse 12 and 13 says this, Eli observed her mouth and Eli thought she was drunk. You see, natural observations can lead to carnal conclusions. Eli saw something in the natural and he actually said to her that he thought she was drunk And I don't know if you noticed Hannah's response. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. You see, when we make an observation in the natural, we risk making the opposite conclusion of what spiritual discernment is. Hannah was actually having a spiritual transaction with the Lord. And the priest did the opposite of spiritual discernment. He took her for a wicked woman. Now this is what actually happens in the world and this is a priest of God and we actually, if we look at the whole story, we understand that Eli's sons had been doing wicked things in the house of the Lord and even though Eli knew about it, he hadn't picked them up on it and said, no, that is not the way to behave. And so his lack of response in an obvious discernment led to a total lack of spiritual discernment when it should have been obvious to a priest's heart that this woman was actually having a spiritual transaction, not being drunk. And this is how quickly and simply that discernment and observation can switch between the two discernment and observation we see the same sort of thing I think Steve might have even preached about it here when in one moment Peter is asked by Jesus you know who do you say I am and he has this incredible revelation you are the Messiah the son of God and then six verses later when Jesus says I've got to go to the cross I've got to suffer I've got to die Peter says "Uh uh-uh no no don't do that Lord and Jesus says get behind me Satan And when we hear that, we think, oh, he just called him Satan. But we forget that Jesus said, get behind me, because we're supposed to be following Jesus, not trying to lead Jesus. And so in our discernment, discernment has to be from the spirit, not from what we see with our eyes, not from what we hear with our ears. It has to be spirit-taught realities that we understand because we are spiritual people. So, what are you most relying on in your daily life? What comes first? Which sense? Your spiritual sense or your natural senses? T. Austin Sparks says this carnality is leaning towards and being governed by what is natural. Spirituality is the opposite of leaning towards natural selectiveness, likes, and dislikes. You see, our natural flesh tends to lean in a direction. And spiritually, we have to sometimes go against the flow to lean towards the spirit rather than towards what we're seeing and hearing in the natural. And that takes intentionality. For those who know the story, if you go and jump a couple of chapters ahead in 1 Samuel chapter 3, where Samuel is, sorry, I skipped a bit there. Hannah did have a baby. <laughs> Named him Samuel and then came and dedicated him to the Lord after he was weaned. And so if you know your stories, you'll know that Samuel then grew up in the house of the Lord and and there was this point in time where the Lord is calling Samuel. Samuel, Samuel. And and Samuel goes running into Eli because he's like, oh, who's calling me? Eli still has no discernment. It takes him three times to figure out that it is the Lord calling Samuel. And sometimes we can be that deaf if we're if we're honest. I have been that deaf before. Has anyone ever been that deaf before? When when God's trying to say something to you and you are just whoosh, in one ear and out the other. Yep. Okay. No, it's just me. So let's go back to our original scripture. How are we doing, church? Good. Are we being sharpened? Yes. Are we leaning in with the Spirit? Good. So, let's go back to Hebrews 5.14. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So, here's the thing. Scripture is very clear here. We can only train ourselves to discern good from evil. We can't rely on our pastors to do it. Does that mean we don't come to church and hear the word? That's not what it says it means that there is a regular, constant use of the word that is required to actually step into spiritual discernment for those who are spiritually mature. You see, anyone can have basic discernment. Let me give you an example. Some of you probably know the Ten Commandments. Maybe not in order. Don't worry, I won't give you a test. (laughs) I I could. Could we ask Adrian? (laughs) <laughs> All right, let's do an easy one. Okay, thou shalt not murder. Now, that's pretty basic discernment, right? Actually, most people in the world think, yep, murder's wrong. Right? Good one. Basic level discernment. But Jesus takes it to a higher level. Are we able to discern when frustration in our heart is actually developed into hatred? Oh. Ooh, ooh, how about thou shalt not commit adultery? Pretty basic discernment, right? We're like, mm, that's wrong. In fact, quite a few people in the world still think that's wrong and other religions too. But how about lust? Can we not only discern but respond when we become aware through the Holy Spirit's conviction of lust in our heart? See there's different levels of discernment. And it takes constant use training ourselves in the word to distinguish a higher level of discernment not just basic oh yeah the devil's devil's bad and god's good that's basic level there's a much deeper and higher level of discernment and the church needs this. We need it for ourselves personally. We need it corporately. We need it in the expression of all our ministry gifts. Now, when we train... Steve, can you get my bag out, please? I think you know. I'm training. (laughs) He's very well trained. Thank you. Can you get my purse out, please? I don't have that much in my bag. What am I after? Oh, there you go. No. It's surely a yellow. Oh, there's a yellow one. Woo! Who? Okay, who still carries cash around? Who's ever said. Do you young people even know what cash is? <laughs> <laughs> Worthless. Oh, do you not want it? Oh, who said no? Strange. <laughs> yeah. That was terrible. It's dirty. <laughs> Dirty money, (laughs) unclean, unclean. Okay, we are totally off track now. Okay, what was I going to (laughs) say? I pulled money out and it just went totally downhill from there. (laughs) Everyone knows what this is, that's good. But here's the thing, when we talk about solid food is for the mature and constant use, the devil is always trying to bring in a counterfeit, always trying to bring in a counterfeit and when we talk about discernment I want to actually mention discernment as far as a gift of discernment but also personally for us because here's the thing I'm going to use this as an example and it's not the greatest example because these notes are much harder to counterfeit now because they're plastic they've got this nice little clear bit in it they've got strips in the middle that they've got all sorts of things they've got holographic stuff going on but in the good old days I think I was still alive then. Just. Money used to be made out of paper. Who's ever seen paper money? Oh, he's got one! That's very exciting. Wowzers! You have kept that for posterity. That's probably an antique now. So, paper money was easier to counterfeit than plastic money. And so... For bank tellers in the day that paper money was very widely circulated, the way they trained to recognise counterfeit money was not to handle counterfeit money. Yeah. Yeah. What they did was over and over again, they would touch, feel, look at and study only real money. They didn't touch the counterfeit. Yeah. So good. They knew exactly the position of serial numbers... They knew the faces on each side, they knew what the paper smelt like, touched, they knew the exact size of it. And then when a counterfeit note came across their table, they recognised it straight away. Not because they had looked at thousands of different counterfeits, but because they had looked at the real so much, because they had studied it, because they knew exactly what it smelt, felt, touched... Looked, heard, I mean, it even made a sound. Exactly the size of it. They knew every aspect of it, down to the minutest detail. Sorry, meeting my hair. And so then they knew exactly when a counterfeit came across their path. And this is what discernment is. Some in the body of Christ have made the mistake in discernment of studying things of the devil. Some people have gone, oh, I've got the gift of discernment, so I need to actually understand what happens in the occult and witchcraft. It is wrong. Scripture is very clear that the way we learn and train in the gifts is to study only what is godly. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Colossians 3 1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things. Scripture is full of of, um, instructions to us. Cling to what is good, flee what is evil. As a church, as believers in the body of Christ, we never, ever, ever study the devil's work. Never. Never. It is all lies. But this is so important. And it's also important to understand that if you do have a gift of discernment, we do have to develop it. You know, Steve's got a very natural running capacity. Sometimes I'm jealous, but that's okay. But he still has to work at that. He still has to train it. Someone can be as gifted and talented as they like, but if they don't intentionally train it, if they don't study how to do it, If they don't learn the movements involved, if they don't learn what it's all about, they will never develop in that. And we can never develop in spiritual discernment without this, ever. The Holy Spirit without the Word is a spirit of subjectivity. We will be subjective if we are not based in the Word. Praise God. Isn't God good? I'm just getting a drink because this is thirsty work. How are we doing? Have we got a bit more sharpening in us? Are we ready for a bit more sharpening? All right. So I want to go to some personal applications now. Because I think when we talk about something like discernment, we're like, okay, how does that personally apply to me? How do I, okay, yes, I understand, I read the word. What does that personally look like for me? So, as a people of God, we need a personal revelation and application of discernment to discern between not just good and evil, but to discern between what is spirit and what is soul. What is spirit and what is mind, will, and emotions. Hebrews 4 verse 12, it's a verse you probably know well. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing, there's that word, dividing, separating, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, sometimes we can allow soulless observation including in our ministry expression, to take the place of spiritual discernment. Soulish observation. Don't allow it to take the place of spiritual revelation. See, discernment in our personal life gets to the heart of why we are doing what we are doing. And this is applicable in every part of our lives, in your relationships, in your work, in church, in your ministry, in your career, in your families, with your kids, with your parents, with your money, with anything, with your hobbies, with your sport, whatever category I've missed, everything. Everything means everything. Discernment gets to the heart of why we do what we do. The, the separation between spirit and soul. It says it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So why are we doing what we're doing in that moment? Is it to serve or is it to be noticed? Is it to encourage or is it to be heard? Is it genuine relaxation or is it distraction from other stuff in our life that God's going to deal with? (laughs) I didn't look at you. (laughs) I'll look over here now. Or on the opposite side, what is it that we're not doing? What is it that we're not doing out of lack of discernment, fear of man, false humility, busyness, laziness, complacency. I just looked at him again accidentally. <laughs> it was just a passing glance. We need to laugh because I'm, I'm, I'm cutting now. I'm cutting. And I understand I am, but this is what the Spirit does. You see, if we want to be a church set apart unto him, if we want to be a church separated and holy, and if we want to be a church that the world notices because there is a difference, then we all need spiritual discernment. It is not just for prophetic people. If we think discernment is just for prophetic people, then we are literally going to be infants on spiritual milk for the rest of our lives. So I want to give you a couple of practical examples of discernment in ministry, or rather lack of discernment in ministry. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll have a little giggle at this, okay? No one, no one elbow the person next to you or your spouse, okay? No one do that. No one look at anyone else. I'll look at the screen while I'm doing it. <laughs> so this is an example of how discernment can go wrong because we haven't divided between spirit and soul. So let's just say, I'll use myself as an example. Would that be good? Let's just say Sally's had a real bad week and she hasn't actually spent any time with the Lord or not much time. Sally comes into a meeting and the presence of God is powerful and suddenly I'm like, oh, there's a spirit of complacency here. Did anyone just tweak what happened? It's a lot of silence. You see, when we are in a position of the Holy Spirit moving in a meeting, when the presence of God is manifest, whatever's been going on in our personal life will often be revealed. But we can mistakenly think that we're discerning it in the atmosphere because God's actually trying to point it out in our hearts. And that's where we need the discernment between what is spirit. Okay, now everyone's getting it. The light just went on. Okay. That's where we need discernment. When we think, oh, complacency going on. The first thing you answer is, God, is that me? Because if I'm honest, yeah, I haven't really had much time with you this week. Hmm. Do you know what our correct response is there? Repent. Go to the Lord with it. We don't go to our pastor and say, I think there's a spirit of complacency in the place. Why are you laughing? That's happened. I'm sure it has. Maybe not here, but it's happened. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. And You can use any example you like for that. There's a spirit of disunity in the place, but you've been gossiping all week. It's funny, but it's not. And even if it's not something you take to the pastor, we can misapply what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in us personally, and we apply it to everyone else in the corporate, and we use the shovel instead of the rake. You know, I don't think many of us here, hopefully, would go and bow down to a literal idol. But can we discern in our own lives when things which are still good work, hobbies, money, careers, relationships, friendships, fame, social media, you name it has become an idol in our lives? How do we discern that? I'll tell you how constant use in the word and the Holy Spirit will reveal it to us in his kindness it's not about searching for things or going on a witch hunt for want of a better word it's about constantly training ourselves in the word so that we have the ability to separate between what is spirit in the Holy Spirit in here and what is soul what's our mind will and emotions and we've got to be not only recognizing what the Spirit's doing but responding to it too Do you know we can't operate in discernment in the corporate for what God wants in the church unless we respond in the personal. We've got to respond to the promptings in the personal and then it will overflow into the corporate. We will end up being in a place, I'm talking corporately everyone, that there will be a unity of spirit because when the Holy Spirit's moving, everyone's actually on the same page and responding. And there's a beautifulness in that, that the Holy Spirit will move in because there's a holiness in that. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Why is this important? Not so that we're good people. It's His righteousness. Why is it important? Because the Holy Spirit wants to move and breathe in our presence, in our midst, in our very lives. And we can sometimes quench the Holy Spirit because of lack of personal discernment. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just pausing because I'm listening. Thank you, Father. Alright, I'm going to share a few things, particularly around gifts of discernment, gifts of prophetic, gifts of words of knowledge, encouragement. When we're basically expressing a gift to someone else that we use, how do we recognize lack of discernment or whether we're having discernment in there? I've got a few things they're going to fire out as dot points. Don't allow your own opinions or biases about a person to influence what you say. Don't base a prophetic word, an encouraging word, a word of knowledge, any word on what someone looks like or the circumstances you know they're going through or their socioeconomic status or anything else about them that is caused by natural observation. Don't prophesy something as a result of someone's pain or longing. What I mean by that is if you know someone is wanting to get a certain job, because they've been out of work for a while, pray for them in faith. Don't prophesy it because you will cause disappointment and confusion at God unless it is an actual word. I'm not saying you can't, but it must be a word from God. Too often we give words that are based in knowledge of what someone's longing for, a relationship, a spouse, a baby, a job, a healing, and we say God's going to heal you Next week, we don't even say today because we don't want to pray in faith for it today. God's going to heal you next week. I mean, it's ludicrous. Is it not ludicrous? And then the person goes away, yes, I'm going to get healed next week. Next week comes, and if that wasn't actually a prophetic word, that person is now confused and disappointment and we have put up a barrier between them and God. And we have quenched the Holy Spirit. When you give words of encouragement or prophetic words, don't use repeat phrases, repeat themes, or things that have gone over well with other people before. It's not prophetic. It's taking what pleases people and applying it to another situation. You see, the prophetic and the discernment is much deeper. We often look at the surface level, but there's much deeper. All right, here's a challenging one. Who's ever had a word for someone, an encouragement? I don't mean it has to be the most like, this is going to happen in two, three years. I'm just talking God said, hey, go and encourage that person about that. Who's ever had one and not done it? I've done that. Has anyone? Come on, give me a hand, please. Help, help, help. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So here's where discernment comes in. Don't give yesterday's word for an individual that you didn't bring to a different person today because you think that your obedience in speaking now will please the Lord. (laughs) I don't know who would do that. But when God says write something down, I write it down. This is not just a word for River Edge Church. This is a word for the church. Don't think I'm bringing this here because I'm like, okay, I've got to fire this here. When Steve and I receive words, it's not just... There are words that are specific to churches and there are prophetic words in particular that are specific, like Steve prophesying about the building. But this is a word for the church. This is a word for the church church. Why we do what we do is important. Discernment means you don't need to try and be like someone else in your ministry expression. Discernment means we get rid of fear of man, fear of failure, fear of rejection, comparison or other insecurities so that we're ministering out of his love, not of our need for validation. We don't use any ministry expression in the church as a means for power, position or being noticed. And this is where the heart of discernment comes in so that we actually know when to speak and when to stay silent. Sometimes it's as simple as that. It's a separation. When do I speak, Lord? When do I stay silent? When do I give that word? When do I pray? It all comes down to discernment discernment, constant use, training ourselves to know what is good, what is evil, but not only that, what is best. What is it time for? So our last scripture, Philippians 1 verses 9 to 11. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best not just the difference between good and evil, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I know I've hit hard on things tonight, but there is a beautiful fruit of discernment that is evident in our lives. Firstly and most importantly, God actually gets the glory When we're walking in discernment, it doesn't become about us. If I want to deliver a popular word for everyone to like me, I'm not going to deliver this word. Why? Because part of it is a cutting word. It's cutting away what needs to be separated in our lives. We're not here to make friends. We love you all and we are your friends. But we're here to make disciples. And disciples receive teaching and disciples grow And so we're not about making friends, we're about bringing glory to the Father. And that's actually what the fruit of discernment is. It's bringing glory to the Father. But it also brings a greater intimacy with God. Sometimes we're like, I feel like I can't get closer to God. Then I would say, are there areas the Holy Spirit's prompting you in that you haven't responded to? Sometimes it can be as simple as that. And it's not always, sometimes it is, yeah, good or evil, turn that off, don't do that, walk away from that. Sometimes it's the discernment between what is best and what is it time for. Because when we listen to those, we immediately become more attuned to his ear. So there's a greater intimacy that naturally flows out of this. There's a greater understanding of his character, his words and his ways. And we gain an ability to not only discern between but to separate fully and this is important in this day and age and discernment is also very closely tied to wisdom if we want to speak with wisdom if you look in proverbs proverbs very closely ties discernment with wisdom those who are discerning in heart have wisdom on their lips so there's a heart response that results in an outward vocal response it means that our words are going to drip with that honey from the rock you see and what we sung tonight was actually quite prophetic we look at that like oh it's beautiful honey in the rock what's the rock it's hard there's a cutting away and then there's this honey that flows there's this honey that flows And the more we die to self in these areas, and this is what the Lord is doing with his church, he is refining us, he is purifying us. As we get closer to the last days, he says, I want my bride to be a bride of holiness, of righteousness, not so that we earn our own righteousness, so that we are ready, not only for his coming, but for the great harvest that he wants to bring, the great harvest that he wants to bring. And so we also receive from that grace Because discernment brings grace. Discernment is sometimes as simple as that boundary when someone says, oh, can you do this this week? It gives grace to say, look, I'd love to help, but I actually can't because my week is full and I don't have margin. Sometimes discernment is as simple as that. God, what is it time for? I'm not talking about not helping. Don't take me out of context. Not talking about not serving. I'm talking about sometimes those things which are just optional. And if we're a yes person all the time, we exhaust ourselves. It can be as simple as that. Discernment. God, what is it time for? Sometimes, Sally, it's time for you to rest. Sometimes it's time for you to rest. And so discernment comes down to our inner heart our inner response to the lord but it results in a great harvest of righteousness and it results in a church in which the holy spirit can move freely because there is such a responsiveness to the lord and so i just think that is a beautiful thing can we just stand to our feet and just focus on father for a minute
0: Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just want to stand in your presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, and we just bring ourselves to you. I just invite you if, you, if you are hungry for more discernment in your life, if you're hungry for more spiritual sight, I just encourage you to lean into him in whatever way that looks like. God, we thank you that your mercies are new every morning. God, and it's your kindness that leads us to a place, even sometimes where there is conviction and cutting. But Father, we know that your desire is for a church. A church that is a pure bride. A holy bride. One who is able to discern the difference between good and evil, not only in the world, but even those things which creep into our own hearts. And so, Father, we come before you. We come to your throne room of grace. We come before your throne of grace. And Father, we repent of anything that has gotten in the way of holiness before you. God, we repent for those times even where we have not listened or where we have turned away from the Holy Spirit, where we have missed the voice of discernment through the Holy Spirit, where we have missed seeing spiritually and we have looked naturally. And Father, we ask today for your oil and for yourself on our eyes, on our spiritual eyes, on our spiritual ears. Lord, would you open our ears and our eyes. God, would we be a people who is so aware of your Spirit's leading in every moment, Lord, that we are able to discern and separate between even our spirit and our soul, our motivations, our thoughts and our attitudes, God, that we would be ones who honour you, who bring you glory, Father. And God, we just humble ourselves before you. God, would you become greater in our vision, Would you become greater in our vision? Lord, the things that we need to lay down. Lord, even those things that perhaps have become idols in our lives. Even those things that perhaps we have coveted in other people's lives, their relationships, their positions, their things. God, we bring them before you right now. We lay them down. thank you for your holy presence we thank you that it is a beautiful thing precious church. I thank you for each person here tonight. God, I thank you for hungry hearts, for well-ploughed soil, for open ears. And God, we thank you that this word will produce much fruit. Lord, we thank you that this word, Lord, will result in great glory to you. Lord, in greater intimacy with you. God, and it will result in an overflow in our families, in our communities, in our neighborhoods that cannot even be measured or understood. And so, Father, we commit this word to you. We commit ourselves as your church to you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the head of the church.